So I'm talking with composer Christopher Lennertz, and it's a it's a great honor because I'm a you know pretty huge fan of your stuff. And uh, but thanks so much for uh, taking the time to talk. Oh, of course, and thank you so much. I'm so glad. Uh, whenever anybody enjoys it, I'm just so thrilled. So thank you. <laughs> so uh, how did you get started in music, and what lured you to uh, film, TV, and game composing? Wow. Um, well, I got started in music. Um, I started playing trumpet when I was nine. And then, uh, and then switched over to guitar when I was uh, 12 because uh, I, I actually heard uh, Van Halen's 1984 album and it was crazy because I thought it was so cool. Uh, so I really wanted to be a rock guitar player uh, originally, and then the more I studied, the more I started to uh, you know, get into jazz and classical, and I took theory, and, and the more I did that, I, I started to, you know, I think I really started to realize, you know, uh, subconsciously what a big fan I was um, I grew up going every summer. I would spend my parents were both teachers and from the Boston area, so every summer we would go and see John Williams at the at the uh, you know the Boston mm-hmm. Pop. To uh, and at that time that was like early '80s, so it was you know I just remember going and hearing you know indie and, and Star Wars and Jaws and Close Encounters and all this stuff, and 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 I really started putting it together in my head that that I I loved you know uh, dramatic music, and and the more I, I got into that. You know, I started to, to realize I wanted to do something, you know, serious with music as a career. Um, but I'm still playing a lot of guitar, and I actually came out to USC um, to study uh, to study guitar. And by chance, I ended up uh, sophomore year in a uh, in, in a situation where I got to uh, sneak onto the Universal Scoring stage back when they had one, and uh, and and was lucky enough to sit and watch all day at a Henry Mancini recording session. Wow. Um, one of his last ones uh, for his movies, and, and you know, and I really walked out of that recording session, and the next day, basically changed my major, dropped the guitar, and said, "This is what I want to do. I want to write music for movies." And uh, which and you've you've done so many. So you know, starting you start off kind of like first time I heard you was uh, Medal of Honor when I was younger, playing Medal of Honor. Oh, and that's how I got into you. But you've also done a a great deal of uh, comedies in your career. And people say that that comedy is the the hardest genre to crack musically. Do you find that true? And and what does the composer need to do with music to make a good comedy score? Um, I, I definitely find it very true in terms. Of, uh, comedy is much more. I think you can't hit it with as much of a broad stroke, or you might fail. Whereas you know, whereas stuff like action and and drama there's a lot less about timing and a lot more about mood. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, I think I was the, the people I always point to is, you know, there's so many examples of comics and comedic actors and comedic writers who then get into dramatic work and they're so good. And, and the, the people I'm talking about are, you know, Tom Hanks and, um, and Robin Williams and people like that yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who make the segue. And I really feel that a lot of it has to do with you know, I've said a lot of times that if you can do comedy, you can probably do anything um, because it's so you get so fine-tuned with with the timing of delivery of lines and, and pauses and things like that that you really get this in, inner sense of, of of where where to hit things for for reactions and and stuff. Um, so I do think it's really tough. I, I think it's you know it's really specific and really tough. Um, but at the same time, it's a lot of fun, and especially for me, you know, you know, I talked about Henry Mancini, but I, I, I also studied at USC with Elmer Bernstein, and you know, and I, and I look at the two of them very much as, 
you know, mentors in that world. You know, when I sit back and I really think of, you know, God, how much music can really help a comedy. And you go back and you look at the Pink Panther and you look at um, Stripes and Caddyshack and Animal House and Airplane. And I mean, it's just unbelievable how much, you know, you can do. And, and a lot of those things were played really straight. And I think that's what I do really well, because I do write pretty big, epic, dramatic music. But when you get to write it for a spoof for a comedy and, and you get to play over the top with comedy, um, I feel it's really effective at, at getting the last you want, but it's also really fun to write it as a composer to be able to, you know, to uh, to have a joke, but then write it as a, as a, a straight, uh, write it as the straight man the way Elmer sort of did for so many years. It's a pretty great approach, and it's also really fun being a composer for that. Which, uh, you know, I really love Horrible Bosses, and I think your music plays such a great role in that film. So. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and, and you, and you I, Next to comedy, you also do a lot of uh, family films, and and I think you do such a great job with them because, uh, you know, a lot of composers they do it, and it becomes, uh, you know, it's very easy to become very schmaltzy and saccharine, but but and, they, and a lot of composers fall into that trap. How do you know when you're doing too much, and do you ever have to tell yourself to pull back? Oh, absolutely. I, I you know I I'm a very you know, I, I tend to like um, music that's pretty. Um, important and sort of, uh, you know, and, and a little bit over to the top at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and so personally, I have, I do have to, there's many times where I'll write a cue the first time and then I'll sit with it for a day or two and go back and go, yeah, you know what, I'm, I'm trying too hard. <laughs> uh, and I do that a lot. Um, and, uh, and I think it's, you know, as long as I hopefully catch myself or the director helps, helps me catch it, it's good. But I think the impetus is there. I think I think I, I'm I'm always right when it comes to the feeling, um, and then sometimes yeah, you just have to pull yourself back a little bit. But I think the other thing too is is scoring family, you know, films. Um, you got. I mean, you, you first of all you have to realize as a composer that you do need to tell the story, and 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 because movies like that, you know, have such have emotions that are so like universal, you know, when when even even something as, as simple as, as a child losing their pet, or you know, or in the case of Alvin, yeah, I mean, yeah, they were CGI chipmunks, but basically, they were this guy's adopted family, and mm-hmm. he lost them and he needed them back. And 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 I think in all those situations, one of the things that I try to do is I don't play down or pander to the fact that it's for kids, right? But I don't I don't think there's anything about the, the emotions of sadness or joy or, or loneliness, I don't think those emotions... The kids may not have grown up and have the words to express the feelings, but the feelings are true and the feelings are, are very real and, and they hurt or they feel joy or whatever. And I think one of the things I try to do is really approach it as, as, as real feelings. And I think people sort of get that when they listen or maybe they don't, maybe they don't notice it, but at least hopefully it, it lets them feel what they're supposed to be feeling when the scene's going on. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with that completely. And, uh, and, and, you know, looking at your personal life, does being a dad now, does that help you write and relate to movies in that genre better? Do you ever get, you know, criticism from your little one? Does that, do you ever maybe play stuff off and try to, does that help you at all? <laughs> oh, it, it absolutely does. I mean, especially too, because I, it, on a daily basis, First of all, just watching other entertainment with her. You know, we just watched The Muppets, you know, two weeks ago, and, and it just, it was great, and it just, she got it all, and she mm-hmm. got all the, the moments and all the, 
you know, the, the, the couple of those great songs were awesome. And, you know, and, and, you know, Chris Beck's a, Beck, a friend of mine and, you know, he knocked it out of the park and, and he got it right because I could look over and I saw my four year old daughter saying, you know, saying the right things, laughing at the right time, feeling sad at the right time. And he nailed it, you know, and I, and I think uh, doing that on a daily basis, whether it's reading a book or listening to a story or, or watching a movie, I get sort of a daily lesson in what kids really think about things and what they think is cute and what they think is funny and what they think is scary. And, and because of that, I probably have a good, you know, a good yardstick as to how to measure. <laughs> your, your, yeah, your, your little secret there. <laughs> exactly. She's my secret weapon, definitely. <laughs> and now looking at, you know, currently, just you know, last week, uh, Mass Effect 3 came out, and uh, and I'm enjoying you know every moment of it. And you you co-composed with a you know impressive group of uh, composers, and you worked also on you know Mass Effect 2. But it was so great to see you back here. Was it easy to jump back in to this uh, to this Mass Effect world since you've done it before? Um, it was easy. It was a little different this time, um, story-wise, because I, I did get to do some of the real the. the the real emotional stuff. Cause when I did overlord and shadow broker, it was, you know, they were, they were pretty dark, mm-hmm. um, all the time. And, and there was something, I got to do a lot of the uh, music this time for, um, for like the, the, the Krogan character and, yeah, and the last, you know, the last living female. And, and so we got to get a little bit more, um, uh, a little bit more ethereal, a little bit more, uh, a little bit, maybe less dark mm-hmm. in certain spots. Really nice. And, uh, Lisbeth Scott, who, who you know is phenomenal, who sang on Narnia and Passion of the Christ and all that, um, she came in and sang for us uh, to represent this this character, and and it has so much emotion and heart, and that's one of the things I always love to do with a video game because I feel like um, you know, and the same thing happened with Medal of Honor. Quite honestly, is that is that I love it when you know, obviously there's plenty of explosions and gunshots and screaming and and sound effects and bullets, there's all this stuff going on. The music doesn't always need to amplify that part of it. I feel like when I can come in and write a somber theme on trumpet for the death of a soldier or write a, a beautiful soaring thing for, um, for this character in Mass Effect, I feel like the music takes it to the next level and allows it to be, you know, more than just a game. It's, it's no longer, you know, asteroids or centipede. It's, it's actually a story that you're in and you and, and the character feels that story and that's what I love about how video games have progressed is that they've really become just another form of telling a story the way a movie or a TV show would right and your track for the future of Krogan's that was I really really loved it it was <laughs> and, oh, thank you and so was it I mean you know not not every video game has this kind of uh, composing team was it was it challenging to work with that many composers and and did, what was the challenge in trying to create a cohesive style with that many unique voices contributing? Um, I, well, I think um, uh, Rob Blake, who was the lead uh, audio designer from, from BioWare, really, you know, first of all, he got in a tough position because we, we had such a short amount of time to do the whole thing, and that's definitely one of the reasons there were so many of us involved was mm-hmm. just to get that done because um, Clint had come in at the beginning and wrote, written that really cool piano thing, and then he got really busy and then, you know, um, Sam obviously had a great uh, history with Mass Effect. And so he got it, and I had done part of, Mass, you know, some of those uh, downloadable packs. So I feel like we all kind of knew what Mass Effect should sound like um, to begin with. And then what Rob did really 
creatively and, and smart was he divvied up the music. So if one of us had to sort of, you know, for example, I was dealing a lot with the Krogan stuff, and he would give all of that to me, so that would all match. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, if there was a slight difference in the sound, it sort of made sense because it was dealing with a different part of the story or a different um, uh, area of, of the universe or whatever. And I think I think it was a really good way to, to make make it all work and have it not have it be seamless, have it not stick out at all, but um, but have it really work together and utilizes everyone's strengths for what they do best. And I, I think it came off really well. The, the tracks I've heard from, from Chris and Sasha and, and Clint and Sam are, are really fantastic. And I, you know, I, I listen to the whole soundtrack and I'm like, wow, you know, they did some stuff that I just love and I hope they like what I did. And I, I really think it was a, it was a great collaboration and, and, you know, hopefully it really brings the game to a new level. I, I mean, I was surprised at how, Uniformed, it sounded uh, the whole thing came together, and it was just like it was impressive because it, you hear sometimes other video games have you know five six composer, and it just feels like a a jumbled experience. But I guess since all of you had you know the experience in the Mass Effect universe before, it just felt right. <laughs> yeah, I think that I think that was it. I think we all knew where we where we were living for that period of time, and 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 we all sort of respected what Mass Effect sound was all about and, and what you know, what they're trying to accomplish. So we went into it knowing that, hey, we really have to, we have to live in this universe together, and, and it worked. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just got the press release that you'll be, you know, working with Horrible Bosses director Seth Gordon again for uh, Identity Theft. And, it, you know, it seems like you got a director who, who's latched on to you. And uh, what, what's important in having a successful director-composer relationship? Well, I mean, I think the thing, the thing that I love about, about it, and I, and I really... You know, I don't think it's an accident. Uh, you know, and I, I try to say this to, to, to most directors that I meet, is, you know, I don't think it's an accident when I sit back and I look at, well, what scores do I feel are timeless and have, and have created a, void, a, you know, a, a, a uniqueness, whether it be a theme or a sound or something, that can't be replicated and, and, and stands on its own as one with that story forever. And it's always... People who have, it's always directors and composers who have a relationship where they understand each other and and they get them involved early and they they're able to take chances and do great things because they're they're not necessarily trying to learn someone's tendencies for the first time and they're also not afraid to to fail or take a take a uh, take a shot at a, something unique or a unique melody or something because they know that they have the director's trust and I, I sit back and, and you know whether it be Williams and Spielberg or Williams and Lucas or Zemeckis and Alan Silvestri or Hitchcock and, uh, you know, Bernard Herrmann. Mm-hmm. It, it, there is, there's always, it, it, almost universally, the greatest music has come from the teams who work together a lot and develop a trust and relationship, which helps them tell stories together. And when they work to tell the story together, they always come up with better scores than than someone who's just got to jump in and start from scratch. And I think, you know, I, I so admire, you know, the, like, you know, for example, the relationship between, you know, Zemeckis and, and Alan, you know, it's like when you sit there and you go, and you go from back to the future to Forrest Gump, to contact, to Castaway, to the, and it's like, you can just feel how much they trust each other and you can feel how much they're, they're in it together to make the most amazing movie they can and and to me, I, I don't really get that feeling from 
from scores where the, the composer is more of a composer. I feel like it, it feels like it's rushed, and I think yeah. there's something to be. So I, I, I you know, I, I really hope that you know, I, I hope to do all of Seth's movies uh, for as long as he'll have me because I think he's amazing. Um, I, you know, same same way I feel about Eric Kripke, um, and uh, you know, Tim Story, who just directed uh, uh, Think Like a Man with me. Um, I hope to work with him again because he's amazing, and Max Mayer, who did Adam. I, I think ultimately, I would love to have a you know a group of directors that I just you know I just want to go on their journeys. I just want to be part of their team to to tell their stories. Yeah, it's yeah, it's 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 amazing what happens when throughout careers spanning decades how the music kind of you know the, the relationship builds and you and you feel that on the screen and since you're you know the movie is not coming out till next year uh identity theft but since you're attached so early do you, and are the ideas already flowing are you do you ever start working pre-production or do you kind of wait till you get the first cut um i, I mean I, I i think at this point it's conceptual but to have this much time to to, to be conceptual is a real luxury and i love it um, but I have read the script. They haven't even started shooting yet. But you know, it's and it's and it's especially good when you have a script, but you also know who your characters are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I know the lead. I know who's playing the guy. I know it's Bateman, and I know that Melissa McCarthy is playing the woman, and she's hilarious. And I know how she acts. So in my mind, I already kind of while I was reading the script, I can almost see the movie anyway. So uh, so the idea of being able to then you know uh, see a cut. And already have a jump start, already have a head start on the whole thing. Um, it's just going to make it a little easier to sort of get something unique and get something interesting, and and have un- enough time to to do it right. I think it's really great. And uh, to wrap up, I, I always like to ask composers this question: um, If you had the opportunity to to score any movie ever made, with no disrespect to the original composer, what movie would you choose? Whew. I, you know what? I think it's really difficult, uh, obviously, because, you know, so many of the movies that I love have scores that I can't disconnect from them. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, so, so, you know, it's like, uh, you know, obviously my favorite movie of all time is The Godfather. Um, but I'm not, I, I'm not sure I could rescore that. I think more than anything, I'd love to, you know, to maybe go back and, you know, and take a whole different approach to something. Um and sort of take a movie where they went one way and, and go in another way. Um, and maybe that would be, you know, taking something that's more of an electronic score, uh, and go and, and, and try it, uh, you know, try it, um, you know, with more, uh, uh, more of a mishmash with orchestra and, and sound stuff. May, you know, I would say probably something like Terminator Ooh. or, uh, something like that would be a good one. Cause I think that that way, you know, what, what, Fidel did was perfect for that time and that era, you know, but it also is specifically a very 80s sound and it's very 80s. And so, I, you know, if given the opportunity, I would probably be able to do something vastly different that hopefully, I don't necessarily think it would work better, but it would work different and it would be a different, an interesting different approach. So, yeah, let's say Terminator. Okay, that's a good answer. And no one has said that, so. <laughs> um, but I'm out of questions for you, Chris. Thank you so much for the time and, and, and oh, no it's a great honor. And uh, and uh, hopefully you get to do it again sometime. Uh, any any time you want, we're in, and uh, and I just so appreciate you listening and 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 you know coming along for the ride. Thank you so much.